the New York media has gotten soft, including you, Paul. Well, I don't need any kind of crap from you. Take a lap defense. Take a lap special teams. Who cares? No. Like, it doesn't matter. It sure does. It doesn't. Paul, do you know what drip is? Do we have to explain? No, I'm going to let you wear the clown makeup. Removing oh, goalposts. Like, How stupid is that? No drunkenness. The answer to the question, fine. We move on. Shoot your shot. Yeah. Shoot or shoot. The no. kicker. You hear how he says the kicker. Like he's a subset from the team. Do I send you journalism lessons on Twitter? We got a lot of angry people on this podcast. Yeah. Welcome back to Blue Rush, our New York Giants podcast from the New York Post. We will be joined later in the show by a special guest. Stay tuned for Miles Eckert, a high school student who will break down the Giants-Cowboys game, as we will as well. We'll also be joined by the stinking truth. We'll get the stinking truth and uh, soliloquies and offensive lines from Mark Schlereth, who will be on the call for that Giants-Cowboys game. But first, let's welcome in the host of Blue Rush. That'd be two-time Super Bowl champion, kicker, cue the backpipes, Lawrence Tynes, and his co-host, Giants beat writer for the post, Paul Schwartz. Um, we'll get into Giants-Cowboys, but more dirt on Urban Meyer if there hasn't been enough. Jaguars are in a lot worse shape than the Giants, aren't they? And there aren't many teams that are in worse shape than the Giants. Um, Look, I mean, anybody on social media or anything, you scroll down, it is COVID, 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 right? Uh, Bad week, yeah. Basketball, football, everywhere. And so, look, the Giants have got hit on Wednesday. Five players tested positive. uh, Kadarius Toney a few days ago. Cam Brown, O'Shane Zimenez, Aaron Robinson, who starts at cornerback. That could be a problem. And, and, you know, Xavier McKinney is a high-risk close contact. He's, I believe, unvaccinated. So he can play if he tests negative. And he on he can come back to the team if he continues to test negative on Saturday. He can play in the game. Boy, they need him badly. You know, they need him. They need everybody just to stay to stay within you know a couple of touchdowns of the Cowboys. So, but it, it's hitting every team. You know, it's hitting every team. And uh, you know, the Giants are. You know, I can't say they're hit any worse than any other. But you know, it's another week with Mike Lennon Lawrence. You know, um, uh, Daniel's not going to play, and um, you know, it's rough. It's rough. But we could see a little Jake Fromm. You know, um, this is the first time that Joe Judge said. Yeah. I mean, I asked him, is Jake closer? He said he's much closer. He's much more ready now. Uh, they could not put him on the field the last two weeks. He just didn't know enough. But look, we've also, we're two weeks into the Mike Lennon regime here. And so if it's really bad, I think Jake Fromm will play a little bit. I really do. Yeah. And I think that's something that this juncture of the season, Giants fans kind of want to see. They'll they'll tune in to see, okay, who's Jake Fromm? We already know what the rest of this team's about. I was doing some digging on some numbers and this is how historically bad this Giants offense is. Mike Lennon's a backup. We understand that. But even his career numbers are career lows for the Giants by significant amounts. Completion percentage, rating, yards per attempt, average yards per average air yards per attempt. I mean, that's a huge indictment on this entire offensive unit. Mike has a body of work, and you know, 81, 81.5 career rating is not terrible for a backup. He does have more touchdown passes than interceptions. But to have historical lows with this team tells you everything about what kind of offense the Giants are running. You know, I, I you know, Lennon is, is an engaging guy. You know, he's not a good quarterback, but he's an engaging guy. And, you know, as you know, Lawrence, all those years with Eli, the backup quarterback has to be engaging, right? You know, he just has to be a good guy. If the, if the backup quarterback is, is a bad guy, it's just, it, it's just not right. Uh, Glennon, that was his, um, in, in LA against the Chargers with a, a minute and 18 to go, that was his first rushing touchdown of his career. Not a shock after seeing him run, but he was very funny talking about 
He said, first rushing touchdown of my career, which I guess is hard to believe. He said, nonetheless, I always envision myself spiking the ball. But in that situation, I don't really think it called for a spike. So he, that's, a good, that's a great call by he, him. <laughs> he was self-aware that he said, you know what? I want to sp- – no, I can't. I can't. We're down by two and three touchdowns. Well, well even when Saquon scored, he just did the old – Hand the ball to the ref, kind of Barry Sanders type deal. Obviously, it wasn't the right time. You're getting drugged. So, but to your point, you do have to be. I played with the, I was in Kansas City with Bubby Brister. And if you remember him from Denver, the absolute character. You got to be a great character and a great teammate to be a backup quarterback. But having said that, I mean, these numbers, I was just, I just was interested and I went in and looked and, I can't believe how bad they are. They're way off his career averages. It's an indictment on this offensive staff and unit. They're terrible, historically bad. Yeah, now, now you know, Daniel might not play again. You know, he might, he might not. The neck, you know, they look at the image. They show it to the specialists. They say, nah, it's not healed enough. They're not going to let him play. It doesn't, you know, it's not like a paper cut where, you know, after a couple of days it's healed. Uh, Joe Judge was asked, you know, if Daniel doesn't play another down, have you seen enough to think that he's your guy, you know, going forward, assuming Joe Judge is here? And he said, I feel good about Daniel already. I want him to keep growing and developing his craft. He's a great asset to the team. There's not really that much more to say. Daniel's done a good job growing for us. We're going to keep on pushing forward with him. But he did admit that he's missing experience. You know, if he's going to sit out, what, the last four games, this will be his third. You know, if he's going to, you know, the last third of the season, if he sits out, that that's a downer. You know, that's a real downer. They have a decision to make in him in May, whether they pick up a 21-year, $21 million fifth-year option. That's easy. Don't you don't pick that yeah, up. Yeah, I don't think they can do that at this point. You know, so but it's it's you know, it's just unfortunate. You know, people I wrote a column this week that said it's gonna be a waste. They need to see more from this guy. It's so terrible that he can't play. And people were coming back at me like, We've seen enough. You know what? You've never seen enough. You need to see as much as many snaps as you can. You need to see, you need to see. This and, is a um, lost season in more ways than one because you haven't been able to identify or see your playmakers play Kadarius Tony what is your sense of Kadarius Tony at this rookie year right you know Lemieux didn't play Gates missed the whole year I mean there's a lot of guys Blake Martinez obviously we know what he's about he's a great player but this offensively I mean it's so many unknowns going into the offseason not a great group of quarterbacks coming out where the Giants are picking I just don't think you make that move I think it's easy you don't pick up the fifth year option you make them earn it if they can come back and put some sort of decent season together next year then you figure it out. But there's no reason to pay this guy 20 plus million dollars on that fifth year option when he hasn't earned it. I think the fact that we don't have an answer is an indictment on him not being great either. The fact that we don't know if he's the right guy or not shows us he hasn't shown us enough. So I agree, Lawrence, you have to bring in, you know, competition one and two. Not exactly a rumor, but the story was that Russell Wilson would waive his no trade clause to come to the Giants. I guess Ian Rapport said that this week. What do you guys think about? Obviously, it's something we've discussed in the, you know, it's starting to pick up a little bit more steam. But what do you think about going all in and trading for Russ, despite obviously the injuries and the struggles he had in Seattle? He is a Super Bowl champion quarterback. I can confirm those are real, 100% real. I, I've confirmed with friends and people I know that know know of the situation that he does tentatively want to come to New York. Well, there's other two, teams too, though, right, Lawrence? There yeah, are yeah, other yeah. teams involved there's in other. Too. Yeah, there's other teams, but having said that, in terms of just focusing on the Giants, I mean, it takes two to tango. There's cap issues. There's there's a lot of different reasons why I would say no, and there's a lot of different reasons why I would say yes. But the thing is, I just I don't know that – sure, a quarterback makes you instantly better because he's a great player. 
this team has so many other issues, so I just I'm okay with Daniel and and um, Judge coming back and then them trying to fix it one more time because then I think you can clean house. I will say I think the only reason a new GM coming in is going to keep Judge is because of this quarterback situation. There's not a lot of guys in that top five, ten range that you're going to pick, so it gives Judge the opportunity to stay with Daniel one more year because there isn't. I, I imagine if there was an Andrew Luck or a Manning or a Mahomes type out there, that would change the GM's thought process of thinking, I would fire the coach and start all over and get you know get a, a franchise quarterback. So I think this poor, poor class of quarterbacks coming out is actually helping keep this team together for now. But I think he'd be an upgrade, but I mean, there's a lot of stuff that has to happen for that to happen. I mean, look at Matt Stafford, right? You know, he was in he was in, in, in Detroit for a decade, throwing a lot of touchdowns, a lot of interceptions. Everyone thinks he's a good quarterback. He's in a crappy franchise. He doesn't win. He goes to a team that's ready-made, right? Ready-made. They need a quarterback. They need an upgrade from Jared Goff. He's doing terrific. The Rams are a Super Bowl contender. There is no way in hell that that is, you know, a corollary to Russell Wilson and the Giants. You know, Russell Wilson's terrific. We know he's terrific. But he's spending what, the last five years running around for his life because he has no offensive line? You know, he'll, he'll think he was he, he'll, he'll think it was the Great Wall of China in front of him in Seattle after he comes to the Giants, <laughs> right? He's going to look mean, and yeah. say, you know, where's 78? Oh, with Andrew Thomas. I'm going to hide behind him because these other guys can't do anything. Now, they may have four new starters next year. So, look, Jake, you know, you mentioned it. It's fun to talk about. And as Lawrence said, it's not like just because Russell Wilson said there's no truth to it doesn't mean there's no truth to it. We know that. Paul, Seattle's going to want to make up for some of the trades they've made in the past two or three yeah, years. What, what would picks. a trade like that look oh, like? Oh, man, a lot. What, two and, two first-round picks, maybe no way. a defender. No way do you give up these two five and six. No way. Well, not two this year, but maybe one this year, one next year, or something like that. Or It doesn't sync up, you know? It doesn't sync up. I, I, could, I, I just think Russell Wilson, if he leaves Seattle, I would not be shocked if he leaves Seattle. There's going to be better places for him, and, and he will. Look, maybe his wife wants to come play in New York, you know, what's to live in New York, right? But there are other places he can go. You know, I just show the residency just, at Radio City, Paul. I think the New York and and their brand as a couple has become such a big deal. And coming to New York changes a lot. You know, your Seattle to New York is a big but, difference. But listen up real quick. A lot of this depends on Daniel Jones's health. Let's be real. This the decision to even entertain that depends on is Daniel Jones done forever? The thing I worry about with Daniel is Let's write, let's call him an average quarterback. I say that with all due respect. He's an average quarterback. You take away the fact if this neck injury is what it is and they say you can still play, you take away the running ability. You can't. You can't. No. Nope. He's a below average quarterback. He's not even No, you can't do that. I mean, I mean Thank you. It's, it's that's not what like I'm saying. You can't do so, I mean, if he's cleared to play, he's cleared to play. He's not cleared to sit in a bubble in the pocket. Right. You know? Because so, because on the you know, if you think about Peyton Manning, running was never his game. So if it's a similar injury, and we don't know that for sure, Peyton was never going to put himself in harm's way anyway because he's always going to play from the pocket. No, but, but you, Peyton had a surgically repaired, you know, neck uh, you know, vertebrae system. You know that that's you know that's a leap of faith with that Dan. Dan, no one's talking about surgery with Daniel right now. Okay, but, okay, you know. but I'm just saying if you take that aspect of his game away, then he's not an NFL player. That's absolutely true. But you can't take it away because that's, you know, either you're cleared, you know, either you're cleared to play, which is run. Now, look, you you know, he has to be more he has to be less reckless anyway. You know, the play he got hurt on against the Eagles, it was it was a run. It was an awkward slide. It was maybe a late hit. It was not. You you can tell Daniel never played baseball. 
You know why? Not only just the sliding piece, but like just it doesn't do arm angles. You know, like you see some of these cool throws that all these quarterbacks make, like a Stafford or Mahomes. You can instantly tell if someone was a baseball player. He was not a baseball player. He, he never turned a double play, right, Lawrence? No, nope. never, never turned a double play. He, if he's not on platform, he's here's not the throwing. thing: if it's not Russell, you have to bring in some veteran with experience that could battle him. Whether that's a Fitzpatrick, a Heineke, someone that you could throw in there and trust. Because Mike Lennon, those days, got to go. Colt McCoy, even you got to upgrade from someone like that. I would love a, a Fitzpatrick or something, but got to bring in someone that could win games. You got to bring someone who you could who who shows up in training camp. And the second day of training camp, boy, he has a better day than Daniel Jones. And then Daniel Jones says, I better pick my game up here. No question, Jake. You know, competition, you know, it's good for everybody. You know, it's good for everybody. And so, yes, the backup quarterback situation, like we've said before, you know, for 16 years, it was irrelevant because of Eli Manning. And and it's not irrelevant anymore. You know, you know one guy, uh, and, and I thought this was fascinating, Lawrence, is that you know, Joe Judge was very, very effusive talking about Micah Parsons. He was sitting there at number 11 when the Giants traded out, you know, and everyone knew he was going to be a really good defensive player. I don't think everyone knew that he was going to be this kind of a pass rusher, 12 sacks. Now, this is what Joe Judge said about Micah Parsons. We know he was going to be an impact player. We had a lot of love for this guy in the building, a lot of respect for him. This guy is a phenomenal player. He can play Mike Linebacker. He can play Will Linebacker. They can just stick him outside and he rushes. He's got at least one sack in six straight games. He's the third rookie in the NFL history to ever do that. So, first of all, he's going to be a bitch for the Giants to block. And, you know, it is amazing, right, that they could have sat at 11 and not traded and taken Micah Parsons. They could have taken Rayshon Slater, who played against them last week from the Chargers, who started every game at left tackle. He went, what, number two? He went 12, I think, right, to the uh, Chargers. So, you know, it's amazing. And, that, and the Giants have Kadarius Tony, who might be a hell of a player, but he's had a zero. Now he's got COVID, year. right, again? He's got COVID. He wasn't going to play anyway with, you know. Look, how long ago does it seem that he was running around and through the Cowboys for 10 catches for 189 yards? And then he got ejected for throwing a punch. A lifetime oh, ago. Right? It seems like a, a, a last year. Um, it feels like forever. All right, preview this game. Let's make our picks. Paul, let's start with you this week because you got the Micah Parsons breakdown here. I assume we're all taking the Cowboys, but what's your <laughs> score? Make your pick. Well, don't assume anything. You know, I got a hunch this. Nah, forget it. Okay. <laughs> Scaring <laughs> a us. Quick hunch. Sir, this yeah, is a win. No, there's no hunch. Here's, here's the thing we got to predict. What is the over-under on Cowboy fans in the building? It's going to be 50-50 probably. It's no, no, not that high. Not that 64. I, I, I think I put in the post 32,000 was the over under for me. Cowboy fans. Um, look, it's going to be it's going to be loud when the Giants have the ball. People yelling for defense. Giants aren't going to win ten and a half points. I don't think the Giants are going to cover. I think you know what a really smart score is something like 28 13. That's that's I think is a score that I think I think anybody smart might pick that kind of score. Cowboys. I like that score too. I'm going to go maybe a little bit more. I'm going to go 31-10. They're going to get their doors blown off. Uh, you know, there's been a lot of criticism of Dak Prescott in this offense. I think they find their way against the Giants who are struggling. They could be without some players with the COVID breakout. So just another loss, another tough day. I think the great thing would be if we get to see Jake Fromm play a little bit. I think that's the only thing I'll I'll be watching for. Jake Fromm. State Farm, 34-17 Cowboys win. This will be a blow. Two years now of COVID running rampant, and now it's getting worse with this Omnicron. It's unbelievable. Andrew Hartz, you make your pick. Sarah is out sick right now. So Sarah's under the weather, 
Uh, my roommate might have COVID. Every, everything's a mess right now. Andrew, what's your pick? 30, 16. You're going to see a lot from Grant Gano. He's going to show why he's a pro bowler. He's going to do his thing out of MetLife, and that'll be the only positive. Between everyone, enough players getting knocked out with COVID and Brom probably eventually coming in because Glennon will probably be a mess again. It's going to be a bloodbath. And by the time the fourth quarter hits, it'll sound like you're in Texas. So Enjoy again. your football, everybody. Man, what's <laughs> funny because tickets are expensive, and it's all the Dallas fans that are swooping them up. And that's why you go to StubHub, and they're like, price. It's all the Giants fans selling. Hmm. Yeah, they don't want tough to times, guys. Oh, speaking tough of Graham Gano, Graham posted to his Instagram. You know, you get hate messages. I don't know why anyone's hating Graham Gano. He's like the best player in the team. And some guy said, "You kick like Helen Keller, bro. Can't kick to save his life." I would rather have Stevie Wonder kick than you. I would rather. Ha- I don't think John English, this guy, has eyeballs. He's watched Graham Gano you kick. Just, you just don't even <laughs> respond to that. Well, it was a whole post. Graham made it a post. So you just don't because it's. That is so. Uh, I don't know. Just don't even. That's so, the most. Here's thing what I don't understand: the younger generation, okay, which is almost was is everyone on here. Why does anyone care about someone who you don't Thank care you. about? What his opinion is, right? Right? Why does anyone care? I don't know you. You have no credentials. Why do I care what you think about anything I do? I don't get it. I still don't. Yeah. Get it. If you're not in my circle and I don't love you, I don't care. Lawrence, have you ever been told you kick like Helen Keller? In your- yes, hundreds <laughs> of Lawrence, times. Lawrence, are we in your circle? Yes, all of yes. you are. And, and you, Tom- have affe- you have affection for us, right? Absolutely. So don't tell me I can't kick. <laughs> so, <laughs> I can't now. But yeah, my coach at least never kicked me while I was stretching. So I feel good about tonight. Yeah. Tom Coughlin would never do such a thing. Well, we'll get more analysis on this game coming up next. Before we go to Mark Schlereth, we go to Waterville, Ohio with Miles Ecker next on Blue Rush. Oh, no. All right, let's give a warm Blue Rush welcome to my buddy, Miles Eckert. Miles is a friend of mine. I met him through his mother, Tiffany, at a Folds of Honor event. It is a charity of it, charity that I support fully. Miles' father was killed in 2005, serving our country, protecting our freedoms, our blanket of freedom that we live under every night. So we thank him. We thank his family. Miles is a 16-year-old junior at Anthony Wayne High School in Waterville, Ohio. He mans the end zone camera for the Anthony Wayne football program, and he wants to get into sports journalism. So I offered him an opportunity to come on our show and give us a little breakdown of this Giants Cowboys game. So Miles, welcome to Blue Rush. Paul Schwartz and Jake Brown are here with me. Give us the breakdown. What do you think is going to happen? Who do you think is going to win? Tell me the good and the bad. I think Dallas is going to come out on top this week just because no one in the in their division has been able to beat them this year. And I don't see any anybody in, in their division that could upset them. They have uh, two good running backs despite them being a little banged up this week with Zeke and Pollard. But apparently Pollard's going to be back this week, so that'll be huge for them. Okay. Anything on the Giants' side that, that you think you like? Because there's not a whole lot we like. Not really, I think. <laughs> That's awesome. I think they have a Saquon, but he hasn't been really productive. These are all facts. They don't protect the quarterback very well. Hey, Miles, um, thanks for coming on our podcast here. Um, I've been a sports writer since way before you were born, okay? Almost since before Lawrence Tynes was born, but not quite. Um, I actually covered Lawrence when he was a kicker for the Giants, so 
I am a sports writer. Now, I understand you really want to become a sports writer. Is that correct? Yeah. Lately, though, I've been looking more towards like sports photography and video. Well, you know what? You're a smart young man because um, taking pictures and things like that uh, could be um, a more lucrative, a more lucrative and perhaps <laughs> more fun way to, to, to go. Put it this way. I cover the Giants, right? So they lose most weeks. So I got to talk to them and I got to write about them and it's depressing and no one has anything good to say. But if you're in video or if you're taking pictures, right, you just take the pictures, you take the video, you make them look good. And it's um, a lot more pleasant experience. So I think uh, you may be onto something. Um, now, you do end zone camera work for your high school team. Is that right? Yeah. What What is that exactly? I mean, what do you have to do? So there's a video software called Huddle where like, so you film and you upload it to an app and you can watch the film with, and you can like have like a bunch of people on like one. Yeah. It's like, isn't that like a recruiting tool now that colleges use? Yeah. And I, my responsibility was to like basically film the offensive line and the defensive line and such. Is your, is your high school team any good? We're all right. We're a pretty good team. We had a really good running back, but we lost in the second round. Miles, I, I don't think we ever got to talk to this when we met in Florida. Who is your who's your favorite NFL team? Oh, the Lions. Oh, <laughs> okay. The Lions. Oh, I'm sorry <laughs> to hear. Jeez. We, well, I think we briefly discussed that I grew up as a Lions fan because my dad is from, from Flint, Michigan. So I feel your pain. I, I still like the Lions. They're like my second favorite team. Do you think they'll win another game, Miles, or two this year? They got their first win. Do they win one or two more? I hope they don't. <laughs> you want the first pick? Yeah, the first pick. Now, uh, uh, most of the people, most of your friends, what, Bengals fans or Browns fans? What are the most of the people they're fans of? Some people at my school are Packers fans. Of course. There's a couple Bengals fans, but there's probably mostly Lions fans. Really? So you guys are close to Detroit? Like We're like an hour from Detroit. Oh, I got it. Okay. That makes a lot of sense. Well, good deal. Hey, we're going to pick a score. You got to give us a score and tell us maybe who scores a touchdown and if you think Micah Parsons is going to have more than two sacks. I think uh, 28 to 13 Cowboys. I think uh, Trayvon Diggs gets a gets a pick six. <laughs> oh no, God, no! Yes, a pick six probably will. He still does well, but he doesn't have a crazy week like he has been. I think he hits one sack and five tackles with a tackle for a loss. Okay, that gives us a chance. Twenty eight to thirteen is a really strong pick. I mean, that sounds about right. Wouldn't you agree, guys? Yeah, no, that's a good I pick. Mean, I mean, he's coming for Paul's job. He's taking yeah. Paul's job at the post, and, and there it is, Miles. It's, Miles, it's I like when you said 28 to 13, and then you paused, and there was no suspense because I don't think any of us thought you were going to say Giants. So no. I think I think you're you're exactly on to something right there, yeah. We weren't at all. But, hey, thanks for coming on. We'll do it again sometime down the road. Yeah, thanks, Miles. Keep working hard, man. Keep, you know, writing, photography, coming for you, videography. Bob, coming for you. Keep, keep pushing, and uh, you'll do great things. And, you know, it's there's a lot of opportunities now in sports with, with the digital media and everything going on. So keep pushing, and good job. Thank you. Oh, I like it. Joining us now on Blue Rush is a guy that's been on the call on Fox Sports for a few Giants games this year, and he'll be on the call Sunday, 1 p.m. on Fox against the Cowboys. He's a three-time Super Bowl champion. He won one with the Redskins, two with the Broncos. He's a two-time Pro Bowl offensive lineman, played 12 seasons in the NFL. After coming out of Idaho, you hear him on the NFL on Fox as an analyst, hosting on 104.3 The Fan in Denver, and he's the co-owner of Stinking Good Green Chili. I know Lawrence is going to want to try a little bit of that chili. Let's welcome on the pride 
of yes, our first Anchorage Alaskan guest, Mark Schlereth. Mark, welcome to Blue Rush. It's Jake Brown, Lawrence Tynes, and Paul Schwartz. How are you? I am doing great. Pleasure to be on with you guys. Uh, very excited, man. All right. So, how good is this chili? What kind of flavors do you got? You know, break it down for me. Well, yeah, it it is exceptional. So it's a it's green chili. You know, it's a uh, made with green chilies uh, from you know the Hatch region. We've got a pork. We've got a chicken. We've got uh, vegetarian different heat levels. We also have a queso dip, but. Uh, you know, I came to Colorado, and being an Alaska kid, I'd never even had green chili. And um, uh, my buddy brought it over to the house one day, and um, and I was hooked. So anyhow, it is great to smother over burritos, tacos, eggs in the morning, you name it. You can eat it like a soup, for crying out loud. It's uh, tremendous stuff. Now, you saw the Giants last week. You did the game in L.A. You're doing the game this week. Um, I'm sure you're pretty familiar with the Giants offensive line. Uh, Giants fans are familiar with the Giants offensive line, and they're not happy with them. Last week or two weeks ago, before Jason Garrett got fired, he said there's one building block player in the line, only one, Andrew Thomas. And then he got fired a couple of days after that. Um, what do you see with this group? You know, you know offensive line play. It's been a, a, a thorn in this team's side for so many years. You know, this group, you know, how, how lacking is this group? Yeah, they, they struggle. There's no question. And, you know, it's physical. They struggle physically. They struggle mentally. They struggle technique wise so you know it's it's kind of quote-unquote trifecta and you know a lot of what ends up happening to in, in my estimation is you struggle in all those areas you know as a play caller you have to do a really good job of hiding issues or mitigating issues and you know that's part of the problem is that you've got to tie things together as a play caller one of the things I always think about as just a pure play caller and you know, if you're giving up a bunch of sacks or you're giving up a bunch of pressures, I put that on the play caller as much as I put that on the offensive line. And so I always think about it from the standpoint, if we're going to drop back 30 times, I need to, I need to get the actual times we need to hold up in, in real pass protection down to about 12 pass rushes. And so the way, you know, the way I do that is how many three-step drops can I get? Can I get five, you know, quick three-step drops? Can I get a couple of bubble screens in there? Right now I'm down to seven or eight. I've taken seven or eight off the menu. Can I, can I tie run action? Does my run action marry that? Like I, I look at play action and run action as two entirely different things. Can I create run action that marries with my run game and that my offensive line can literally run block and it takes pressure off of us. And therefore, you know, we run the boot keep game or we run the play pass game but it is it looks identical to what we're running as a group and um and now can I do that six or seven times you know how many times can I do that to the point where I get my guys where they have to hold up 10 to 12 times during the game and if my guys can't hold up over 10 to 12 you know snaps then I need different guys and those are the things that's why to me you have to have an identity you have to know what you are what you're running and, you know, you can't go, hey, Jason Garrett's going to be a zone kind of principled, you know, run game. And then all of a sudden, you know, Mark Colombo and, and Joe Judge don't get along. And so all of a sudden we change it to we're a gap scheme now. And then we're this. And then we have a bunch of different offensive linemen get hurt. And so now we change the whole group. And, you know, those are the things that happen to you that make it really hard as an offensive lineman and as a group to be any good. Those are the things that I look at and say, you, you can't be good 
unless first and foremost you know what you are. Mark, speaking of coaching, is Joe Judge on the hot seat, and do you think the Giants should bring him back next year? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think he's got to be on the hot seat. I mean, it, at some point, you know, you fire an offensive line coach, you've had three, four offensive line coaches, you, you fire your offensive coordinator because you're not scoring enough points, and you instantly drop in the number of points you're scoring. And, you know, all those things are a problem. So I think he'd, he'd be on the hot seat. With that said, I know how important continuity is. But, again, the bottom line is this is not a try-hard league. It's a do-good league, and the Giants aren't doing good. And, and they are – I mean, they are – it's beyond not doing doing good. They're, they're really poor on offense. <laughs> yeah, they are. Hey, let's talk about – I'm sick of almost talking about how bad the Giants are. Give me give me your top three toughest D linemen you ever went against in your time. Oh, uh, shoot. Well, I, I would – one, I would qualify Lawrence Taylor – I like to call him Mr. Taylor as a defensive lineman because he really played, <laughs> really played rush defensive end. And then Reggie White was phenomenal, you know, when he would bounce up and down the line of scrimmage. But, you know, I, you know, those guys were just occasional. Like Lawrence Taylor would be the guy that I'd have to trap, you know, on a, on a counter. And, you know, you'd be peeking down the line of scrimmage and he'd be frothing at the bit down there at the line of scrimmage. And all I remember thinking to myself is it's going to hurt me a lot more than it's going to hurt him. You know, and then you just fly down there and try to knock yourself unconscious. So that was kind of always the way I approached that. You know, every now and again, Reggie White would come down over me, and you would be like, you know, what do I, what did I do to deserve this half whipping? Um, and you just kind of fight that one. You know, you got to hold on to that one and, and hope that you do well enough to where they say, hey, we're not gonna. That's not the weak link. You know, that's not the that that's not the uh, one that we're gonna go attack inside. You know, inside the guys that you would think. You know, guys like Warren Sapp and, you know, uh, Cortez Kennedy in my day, John Randall. You know, those guys were – those guys, Bryant Young, those dudes were unbelievably good and just an all-day sucker. But those aren't the ones that gave me trouble. The ones that gave me trouble were the guys that you probably have never heard of that were – it didn't want to run into me. That that Like, if you run into me, you're done. Like, I would beg you to just try to bull rush me. But, like, Phil Hansen used to give me fit. Dennis Berg was unbelievably tough. The guys that were just gelatinous that you could never get your hands on. If I got my hands on you, then you were done. But those guys that were Pierce Holt gave me fit. Oh, I hated Pierce Holt. Those were the guys that they gave me a lot of issues. People are talking about the Cowboys, and people are mentioning Micah Parsons, and they're saying – Lawrence Taylor. You know, he's the best rookie linebacker since Lawrence Taylor. You just talked about Lawrence Taylor, and we're supposed to not talk about guys and mention Lawrence Taylor, right? I mean, you've been studying, I guess, the Cowboys here. Is there anything to that, or is it like, no, 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 we can't talk about Lawrence Taylor and Michael Parsons just yet? <laughs> yeah, no. Uh, yeah, shut your mouth. There's there's one there's one Lawrence Taylor, and uh, hey, Michael Parsons is great. Don't get me wrong. That guy is a really good player. Uh, and a lot, and he's just a lot of fun to watch. So he's a really good player. Uh, he ain't no Lawrence Taylor. You know, they broke the mold with that dude. But it, I will tell you, you know, it's interesting. And I think this is probably, this probably just happened by happenstance. I'm going to talk to, uh, to Dan Quinn here later on in the week. But, you know, they had to move him out to defensive end. And I know that he played some outside backer and, and he did some of that stuff in college. But they moved him out there early in the season when I think Randy Gregory went down or Demarcus Loris went down, one of those guys. And then they just found out that this guy's an exceptional pass rusher. I mean, he's unbelievable. And so, you know, it was it was one of those situations where 
Now they just line them up. I mean, they line them up the mic backer. They can line them up the stand backer. They can line them up at defensive end. If they want, they can line them up at the will backer. I mean, this guy can play multiple positions. And so that does it does a couple things for you when you're very when you're good at, at multiple things. It makes you a tough ID. So as an offensive line, when you break the huddle, man, I want to be able to ID the defense. You know, I want to say, hey, who's playing Mike? Who's playing Sam? Uh, are they in nickel? So who's the will? If they're in base, do they have a will backer or are they in nickel? You know, how do we treat that nickel? Where are we going to slide to from a protection standpoint? And when you get a guy that can play multiple positions or a bunch of guys that can play multiple positions, it really makes it hard to ID. And so then you start, the Giants are really tough to ID. The New England Patriots have always been really tough to ID. So now you have to start essentially spot blocking people. When you've got a, a guy that plays nickel that wears 42 or 37 or, you know, a linebacker that wears 11 that can play. I'll give you, for instance, Simmons, Isaiah Simmons in Arizona. That dude will play, like, he'll play the dime linebacker. He'll play the Mike linebacker. He'll play the Sam linebacker. He'll actually play nickel as a nickelback. And, I mean, he's like – and, and he, he could drop back if you wanted to drop him back as free safety. He's a freak show. But then you have to start, like, blocking an area. We call it spot blocking because you can't just identify a number. Like, hey, that guy's always the Mike. And Micah Parsons gives you some of that difficulty of ID and understanding what the defense is actually playing. And that's, to me, you know, all offensive linemen are neurotic anyhow. I want a rule. Like, just give me a rule so I can go, okay, that's who we're going to block. Uh, and he's one of those guys that just makes that tough. Mark Schlereth, a football guy and the host of the Stinking Truth podcast on with us on Blue Rush for a few more minutes. You have a pretty strong clapback game, we call it, you know, on the streets of Twitter these days, Mark, where if, if someone will come at you, you will come back at them, you, you know, KD style, where someone, you know, yesterday said, Mark Schlereth hates the Cowboys. I'm sure we're in for a fun Sunday. And you said, are you that soft? Is there a fan base or a team that you do actually hate, or do you think people just misconstrue you being honest about a team as hating them? Uh, yeah, you know, we do what, what what I do for a living or what, you know, analysts do for a living. You know, people think you hate their team. You know, I mean, I get I get Giant fans or, uh, you know, Giant fans are about as sensitive as any fan base I've ever been around, which is shocking to me because, you know, you got this perception of New York toughness. But, um, you know, I mean, like my deal is like if you want to if you want to bar I'm I'm good with that like I, I spent a whole my whole life in a locker room man I mean it's just like come on dude it, you know how the locker room works man it's kill or be killed in there the best defense is good offense and so if, if you're gonna if you want you know you want to come get a taste come get a taste I'm okay with that uh, like I kind of enjoy it I think it's fun so yeah I you know I don't I know that. It's kind of the the very few people that, you know, talk the loudest uh, on Twitter and all that. I understand how it works, but I honestly don't care about about any of it. Like, I don't – people go, well, you hate the Raiders. You know, you hated the Raiders. And I go, why would I hate the Raiders? I was 11-1 against their punk asses in my years in Denver. (laughs) I don't hate the Raiders, you know. And do I – like the Cowboys, yeah, the Cowboys drove me nuts as a, you know, as a player. I hated – like, yeah, I hated the star and I hated the, but I love football, man. It, it boils down to, I love football. I love the grind. I love studying. I love talking to coaches. I love learning the game. I love, you know, I love learning all the stuff I don't know. And it's, it's fascinating to me kind of how much you don't know or how much I don't know and, and how much I learn on a day-to-day basis. And 
I love consulting for teams, and and so yeah, I don't, and I'm, I don't hate any of the teams. I don't really care. I, I I like a good game, but as far as hate is concerned, I, that doesn't that doesn't register. Celebrity death match, MTV. Mark Schlereth takes on Giants and Cowboys fans on Twitter. Uh, that would be a pay per view event. Mark Schlereth, follow him on Twitter at Mark Schlereth. Check him out on one four three The Fan. In Denver, of course, the stinking good chili. Go get that. And the stinking truth podcast. Mark, we're looking forward to hearing you on the call for that game, which we expect to probably be a Cowboys win, but maybe the Giants shock us. And uh, happy holidays. Happy New Year. Appreciate you coming on. Thank you. I appreciate that. You guys have a great, great rest of your evening. That's like a strip club, like a New York strip, right? All righty, Lawrence, would you like to close out the show this week, my friend? I would. Thank you. There's tornadoes everywhere. We've been up and down the stairs in the basement, out the basement. That says cheerio to episode 93, the Chase Blackburn 2.0 edition of Blue Rush, our New York Giants podcast from the New York Post. Thanks to Jake Brown and Andrew Hartz, no Sarah today, for producing the show. Are you okay? I mean, you said there's a siren that goes off in town. What are these sirens? Is, is your house going to be taken like Twister, the movie? Well, the house is in Kansas, much like the Wizard of Oz. It's going to stay on the ground. That's why we have basements, Jake. Unlike some of these other places, we've run down there as fast as we can. Have you ever been down the yellow brick road lawrence i have yes very nice walk lovely stroll it was get blue russia we five star rating and write in a nice review on apple Podcasts for Polly schwartz jake brown and andrew hartz just three names this week i'm the scotsman lawrence times we return on monday following the giants matchup with the cowboys thanks for listening you filthy animals he's gonna be a bitch grabbing his crotch